0: Hey there, it's Carrie here from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. You're listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Today, I have my friend and student, aerialist hobbyist Jennifer Lo Lupo. She is going to bring us on a journey with her experience with gestational diabetes. And her birth story and her daughter's experience with Marconium Aspiration. I think that's how you say it, but I could be very wrong. I tried, you guys. She is an amazing and completely bubbly, hilarious person. You guys are really going to enjoy today's podcast. Uh, We'll come out of the deep dive that we've been in the last couple weeks and also just to remind you guys in the show notes, there is a link to register for the Wrap Your Head Around Silks free mini course, 10 chapters of cute little things and some advice for you. Check it out there. Super easy to register for the student portal. And uh, yeah, let's get started. Podcast listeners, this is Jennifer Lolupo. Am I saying that right, Jen? Yeah, low, Lupo Mm-hmm. Uh, she is actually a social worker. She is also a aerial hobbyist, mostly silks. And I see her all the time because she's one of my students has been for many years. I think now. Yeah. And, uh, she was pregnant and had her daughter before me. And then I learned, I think at my. Like baby send off for my students, like my mini baby shower. She kind of told the story of Aria and her birth story, and uh, it was it was a little rough, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd love for you to tell us about your prenatal. I know that you ended up with gestational diabetes, and it affected you for much longer than just your pregnancy. And then separately, Aria's Aria's birth story was not something that you were mentally and emotionally prepared for because it just happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, bring us in on your story. So I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes
1: pretty early. My doctor wanted to screen me, I think at 11 or 12 weeks because my mom had had just gest- gestational diabetes as well. Okay. They really did not explain to me like the process for the hour glucose test. (laughs) Like I just thought, you know, they said, oh, yeah, you'll drink the glucose and then we'll test your blood sugar. My first trimester, I was pretty nauseous and they said, come fasting um, and so I came first thing in the morning because I was like, I really don't want to have to fast longer than I need to. Okay, well, drink this glucose drink and then you have to sit here for an hour and then we'll test your blood sugar. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm on the verge of throwing up right now mm-hmm. and you want me to not eat for another hour. But I just was like, well, I just need to get this done because, you know, I'm, I work full time. <sighs> so I did it and they were they were very kind to me. They let me, um, you know, lay down in this room by myself <laughs> because I was like, I can't sit in the waiting room. I feel like I'm going to throw up <laughs> and um, my blood sugar was elevated. So they said, come back and we'll do the three hour test, which is. So fun. Um, You drink the drink again, and then you test after one hour, two hour, and three hour, and they compare your blood sugar to see if it's in the normal range for what they want.
0: And I was not in the normal range. Uh, I call you (laughs) J-Lo, and I've never called you by your actual name. So (laughs) that's what I'm going to call you here. And everyone... You'll just know her as J-Lo. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> not Jennifer Lopez, but Jennifer LoLupo. Lupo. Yeah. <laughs> so so J-Lo, you had an elevated blood sugar. They asked you to come in for the three-hour test. Yeah. And then please tell us about that.
1: But that time I was much more prepared because I knew that I was not going to be able to eat and I needed to be able to distract myself um, in order to not throw up. <laughs> So my sweet, sweet friend, Kelly Smith, uh, she came with me and we watched movies on her laptop <laughs>
0: for three months. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yes. What did you watch?
1: I think we, oh God, I can't even remember. I don't know. I can't, but she had this like earphone splitter that she's like, I've had this earphone splitter for years. And now I can finally use it. (laughs) So So she was very sweet and she kept me company, which was very helpful with, you know, not thinking about how nauseous I felt. (laughs) And it unfortunately came out that my blood sugars were not in the range that they wanted it to be, that it was elevated. So... Um, They said, you know, we're going to send you to this gestational diabetes class and, um, you know, you'll get set up with like a nurse and, you know, all the things that you need. And let me tell you, (laughs) so this this class, I think they gear it towards people who may not want to make the changes that you need to make in order to manage your blood sugar because right out the gate they like started with if you don't regulate and manage your blood sugars your baby could dislocate their shoulder during birth because they're too big and wow you know their blood sugar like you'll negatively impact the fetus because you know you're connected in terms of your blood sugar and in very, very severe cases, your baby could die. And I was like, you know, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I am a fucking motivated person. You don't need to scare me. Like, just tell me what the hell I need to do. But my God, I like... Came out of that class, like you know, I'd gotten my glucose monitor and I got the contact for my nurse that I was gonna like be talking to on a regular basis, and I went to work and I sobbed because I was like, Oh my oh man, yeah. So I was just like, you know what? They really don't need to do it like that, but I guess maybe sometimes there's people who
0: just don't understand the severity and they need to Yeah, they don't take it seriously or something, but that is not you. That is not me. <laughs> so- no. And by the way, if you guys ever get to meet J Lo here, she is a ball of energy of happiness, even when she's not so happy. Like she's just a joy to be around. And she is so fun when she has one glass of wine because she's a very low tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're ever there for the second glass, it's like, ask her anything. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I want to set everybody up and I just want to like tell everybody how much I love them. Well, yeah, you're such a happy, a happy tipsy. It's the best. It's the best. So yeah, so it was, um,
1: it was, it was scary. Like, you know, basically you're on a diet that is like a newborn. Like you have your breakfast. Two and a half hours later, you have your snack, and then two and a half later, you have your lunch, and then three hours later, you have your snack. <laughs> and then Three hours later, you have your dinner, and then you have another snack before you go to bed, so that your blood sugar doesn't dip too low and then spike in the morning.
0: So, what were the uh, what were the restrictions? Like, what did you have to cut out of your diet? it wasn't so much restrictions as
1: to you needed to count your carbohydrate intake and ensure that you were pairing any carbohydrates that you were eating with a protein so that your body doesn't metabolize it so fast and then spike your blood sugar. Ah, So, yeah, so I, you know, I, I changed my diet and it actually was very helpful with, with the nausea, like, and I think I had had pretty bad nausea because my blood sugar was like out of whack. So once, once my blood sugar was, you know, more even keeled, it was an improvement. I I do have to say,
0: so, I mean, even though, wait, Mm -hmm. JLo, Gestational diabetes, you have it if your blood sugar is too high and if it's too low? Yeah, you don't want it on either spectrum. Oh, goodness. Dude, I don't know. I don't know so much about life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, every time I record for this podcast, like, my mind is fucking blown because I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, like I went to college, you know? I'm educated and I don't know anything. I mean... I didn't know
1: very much about gestational diabetes either. And then I had to learn about it like overnight. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So you you definitely want to eat a lot of like fiber and you want to like eat more complex carbohydrates. And yeah, so I wouldn't say restrictions, just that you had to be really mindful of your portions and your carbohydrate intake. Desserts aren't the thing for me. Mm -hmm. So that part wasn't as difficult as the carbohydrates. Like I I would have French fries all day, fried chicken all day. Like if I could. So I mean, and then you have to test your blood sugar either an hour after you eat or two hours after you eat.
0: Every time you eat every single time. Well, after each meal and first thing in the morning. Okay, and this is a finger prick or not? Finger prick. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that like that on top of being pregnant, it's just like, you have to think about it. So it's taking your mental energy. Oh yeah. And then it's taking some emotional energy and just taking energy period. Um, I remember JLo coming into class because she was still, by the way, this woman's a beast (laughs) and she is really strong. Her abs are really strong. She was doing, and being very careful too. She was doing straddles and like not full range of motion, meat hooks. But I think at six months, yes, yeah, your your body was able to do that. Your core was still very connected. I was very impressed. The whole room was impressed. <laughs> but then, but then she's like, she comes in and she's like, like "Oh my God, all I want is noodles." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god j-lo is a uh, chinese full chinese right mm-hmm. chinese american we we love our noodles you more than me i'm not if i don't have them right in front of me i can forget about them honestly dude yeah man i would just i would
1: i would be like Oh, I I just want to eat some noodles. (laughs) I
0: I know. And and the thing is, when you have a craving when you're pregnant, it's even more strong. You know, it's just. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you got through your second trimester and then your third trimester just dealing with your just gestational diabetes, but everything else is going kind of normal. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, at some point, I had to start
1: insulin shots at night because my fasting numbers were not where they wanted it to be. Um, So that was, you know, that was not pleasant, but I, I was okay. Yeah, so everything else was pretty smooth. I mean one unfortunate part of having gestational diabetes or if you have anything that puts you in a quote unquote high risk category is that that third trimester you're supposed to go in for non-stress tests like twice a week. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. The silver lining is that I got to see my
0: child many many times on an ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, because pregnancies that you don't have that, you just basically see a handful of ultrasounds. I like that too. Cause I was going in for a low-lying placenta and they wanted to see it all the time. And it was kind of like reassuring to me, Oh, there's my child. She's moving around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at one point though, I was like, you know,
1: do we have to do an ultrasound right now? And they're like, Oh no, we don't. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Cause I, I know she's there. She's, she's an active baby. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just do the non-stress test. Oh, and just a tip for all you moms out there. You can negotiate because I I think at one point they may have wanted me to come in three times a week. I negotiated down to two. And then I was like, you know, doctor, my, my blood sugars, I've been very stable. You make everything you want. Can I just come in once a week? And they were like, Okay. Yeah, that was definitely something that I did throughout my pregnancy and throughout her NICU stay was I was my own best advocate and my child's best advocate. So they might tell you something, but you can always ask, what is the reason? What is the purpose? Is there any flexibility in this? So yeah. So my third trimester, there was a lot of non-stress tests, but I negotiated down to a little bit less frequent because I was like, this is ridiculous, people.
0: (laughs) It's it's a lot. Well, and you were still working full time at that time. Uh, And you were in your third trimester already into your fall school year, right? Because you work at a school. Okay. So third trimester and uh, baby's ready to come. Let's get into it. I had a doula and that was really helpful. My OB, she was very sweet.
1: She wasn't like pushy, but she was like, you know, let's get an induction on the books. And I was like, no, let's not put an induction on the books. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to be induced. And so again, I would just advocate. I'd be like, um, can I just like check back with you? And like, Three days. Is that because she didn't want to be surprised by your birth? You know, depending on what hospital you're at, they have different policies about how far they'll let you go. Oh, because wait, were you already after your due date by then? So typically for people with gestational diabetes, they like to induce at 39 weeks. Ah, I did not know this. Okay. And I did not want to be induced. I really wanted to be able to have freedom of movement. I did not want to have an epidural because with Pitocin, things can go. I mean, it's really painful from what I understand. So again, I negotiated like, just give me a couple more days. Just give
0: me a couple more
1: days. I start, I went into labor 40 weeks in one day. Okay. Everything was moving along. You know, I... I think I really started to feel the contractions maybe like five in the morning, but they were still, they were still okay. And then around 10 in the morning, I was like, I, I need to go to the hospital. Cause I feel like
0: this, this baby has to be coming out soon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this baby
0: has to be coming out soon. The, the con- contractions went way, like changed a lot. They were really intense. And I just was like, I,
1: I need to, we need to go to the hospital. We get into the car and thankfully the car, you know, it was a Sunday and there wasn't traffic, thank God. But damn, it it is not pleasant having contractions in a a moving car. It's just...
0: (laughs) That did not happen with me. I don't know what that's like. 10 out of 10 would not recommend, but you know... Got it. Got it. Got it. Definitely understand wanting to labor as
1: long as you can at home. So anyways, we get to the hospital. And let me just say, this hospital had the nerve to not have a wheelchair for me. So I'm like in the lobby and I was like, what What? fucking wheelchair?
0: It's a Sunday. <laughs> They're you know, it's not fully staffed. Oh my god, J Like, did I know that you were gonna come alive like this on this podcast? No, I didn't. Sorry, I'm but a lot you're of just F-bombs. no, you're just being yourself, but I'm glad you're like decided to to bring the full version of yourself yeah. because it is so entertaining.
1: <laughs> so I'm pissed because I'm like, I was told there was gonna be a wheelchair for me. And They finally got me my wheelchair Actually I don't know if they got me my wheelchair Because I was just like, fuck this I'm walking my ass to this elevator Because I ain't got the time to go through Another contraction in this lobby Without a wheelchair So I think I might have gotten myself To the labor and delivery wing Without a wheelchair That really pissed me off Yes, You know, I made it They check me in the triage room and this baby had the nerve to only be four centimeters. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And they were like, well, you could go home and you could labor some more and then you can come back. I was like, I am not doing two more car rides like and <laughs> they we're like, OK, you can walk around the like labor and delivery wing and then come back in an hour and we can check you. And because I think five centimeters is where you can be checked in.
0: OK, wait, your water did not break. No, not yet. Got it. Okay. My water broke before any contractions happened, which is why I went. it was the opposite. Ew. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All so, right. So I walk and I'm like, I am not
1: going back home. These people are taking me. <laughs> so An hour later, <laughs> um, I get checked and they're like, great. You're at five centimeters. I'm like, great. Check me in. You know, we had our doula with us, my husband, and then um, my friend who's a photographer they were with us, you know, we were just rocking and rolling, moving, dancing, my peer uh, nah, pressure points. That was really helpful. You know, they asked me a couple times, like, do you want an epidural? And I was like, no, I don't want to be stuck in the bed. <coughs> and they, you know, they were pretty respectful about it, but I, I had to be monitored. So again, you can negotiate women out there <laughs> because they there's like a couple different types of monitoring devices that you can use. And so the one that I was like, well, can you just do the one that you strap to my belly so that like I can still move a little bit, you know, around mm-hmm. the radius? And they were like, OK, that's fine. So that's what they had around me. <sighs> Let's see, four or five p.m., maybe a little bit earlier and I was at seven centimeters. Uh, The first time they had lost the heartbeat. So like there was a flurry of people and then mm, they were able to like find the heartbeat, but they were like, okay, you need to stay in the bed so that we can monitor this. And because, you know, when you're moving and it's strapped to your belly, like, you know, sometimes you can yeah. You can lose the, yeah. the the heartbeat. That was like pretty scary. And I, I I try to remember as best as I can. I remember saying to my doula, I was like, I think I need to have a C-section because I just, I was scared. Oh, okay. I didn't know what was going on. And then they lost the heartbeat a, a second time. It was crazy. Like all these people came in. I think the nurse or the doctor was like doing the consent Oh, for an emergency C-section as we were rolling to the OR room. <laughs> I just had a sense I was like I I think she needs to come out now. Like I was just like once they asked me like it said baby is in distress, we need to do an emergency C-section and I said yes, like just
0: get get her out cuz I didn't feel right. I didn't feel right. What was that time frame like? They lost her heartbeat. Like how much time went past between that and you feeling this this gut feeling?
1: Not that long. Maybe 10 minutes? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's quick. You know, my husband and I we talked about it later and he did not know what was going on. He did not know that I was like I think we need a, I need to have a C-section. She, I think she needs to come out. Like he just was like all these people came and then you were gone. Mm. No one explained to him what was going on until like 40 minutes later. It was, Yeah, it was crazy. They rolled me into the OR. Like it, it's just a flurry of everything. Like I remember the... You know, the anesthesiologist asking me, have you ever had problems with general anesthesia? And I just was like, uh, no. <laughs> like I don't, no, I, I don't know. I haven't. And then I was out. Yeah. I have this very weird memory. Like, I think it was either the day after she was born or two days. And I, I was washing my hands and I had all this blood caked into my cuticles. And I was so confused because I was like, why would I have, why would I have blood caked into my cuticles? I've been washing my hands. I mean, when I came to, like when I regained consciousness, I remember they were not restraining me, but they were like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, like you're, you're in the operating room because I was like, I think I was like trying to like move or like, I don't know, grab my stomach or grab. <laughs> I don't know if I was trying to like grab my baby. I wouldn't put it past myself to do something like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was just a really weird memory. But, anyways, okay. I come to and she's not there and I'm very groggy. I'm just like, you know, where's the baby? I think it was my husband who came in and told me, like, we have a baby girl. We also didn't know her gender. Ah, okay, okay. Before. So she told me, like, we have a baby girl, and she's in the NICU right now. She aspirated on meconium. Sometimes babies poop in the process of labor and delivery. Sometimes they open their mouths
0: and swallow it. Is there, like, a name for that, or is it just that? Meconium aspiration, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That really sticky black tar, that first poo
1: is the meconium. If they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, while they're being delivered. So she had swallowed a lot and apparently
0: had to be resuscitated or had CPR applied twice. Oh my God. So she wasn't breathing coming out, Correct. basically correct. Oh my god. So,
1: you know, they tried to do everything that they could to clear her lungs, but it was very bad. You know, afterwards my husband told me that they were like your your baby is very sick. You know, we're we're doing everything we can, but you know, that that hospital, they have a the lower level of care for NICUs, so they quickly transferred her to the next higher level of care. Within that hospital system, they didn't, they tried everything they could to, uh, you know, help her, but they, they just didn't have what she needed. And so she was then that same night. So gosh, I think my husband
0: like went with her to CHLA, like in the middle of the night. So basically transferred hospitals. Yeah. She was transferred twice. And you were not transferred. Correct.
1: (laughs) I was, Oh uh, like put me in that fucking ambulance. I'm going with my baby. <laughs> like, of course. I'm not, I'm not staying here. And she's going to another hospital. I don't know who talked me down, but they were like, honey, you just had a C-section. You need to stay here and recover. So I was like, okay. But she she was transferred to CHLA. And because she had, you know, she was so sick and she had so much meconium in her lungs that I believe it was, you know, impairing her ability to breathe and also getting into her bloodstream. Oh, wow. Which can be septic, right? Uh, I don't know if that's what it is, but it was just not good. <laughs> it was really not good. Okay. Okay. So my husband you know, consented for her to go on heart and lung bypass, which is, it's called ECMO. It acts like an external heart and lungs. Okay. You know, my child is fiery and (laughs) and strong.
0: (laughs) No way. Where did she get that from? I wonder where.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, when, when they put her on ECMO, they were like, we think she might be on the ECMO machine for 30 days. Girlfriend was done in 5. Oh, uh, strong baby. Very strong baby. Like she she was basically like fuck this bullshit. I got places to go.
0: I need
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm forever grateful to Children's Hospital Los Angeles cuz they saved my baby's life.
0: Okay, so please put this timeline down because all of us who have who have had children already, when the baby comes out, you don't want to be apart from that baby at, at all, right? Yeah. So- So you're laying in one hospital, your kid is in another hospital. How long is it till you're able to get out of your hospital?
1: They were like, okay, we can safely discharge you once you can, you know, urinate on your own because I had a catheter, right? I can't remember if it was that you had to pee first or you had to to pass gas first, (laughs) (laughs) the general anesthesia, they wanted to make sure it's all out of your system. And they also want to make sure that you can urinate on your own without a catheter. I think I was out. I had two breakfasts in the hotel, uh, hotel, but hospital, hospital, two (laughs) breakfasts in the hospital. So if she was born
0: Sunday, then I was out Tuesday afternoon. Okay. That's a long time to not be with your newborn. Yeah. Yeah. I was discharged Tuesday. So I got to see her that
1: afternoon. And then I don't think I was able to hold her until a week and a half
0: later. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. But somehow you still were able to breastfeed. You were, yes. you, you still were able to catch that train before it passed. Right. So. Oh my God. That was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My poor sweet girl, she had a severe tongue and lip tie. Ah. He was intubated, right? So there was a lot of things, but I exclusively pumped and then got engorged because lactation consultant. Again, these people, they think that I'm not going to do everything that they say. And she was like, You need to be pumping 10 to 12 times a day for at least 25 minutes, which then contributed to an oversupply. Mm. And that was
0: very painful. Thankfully, I did not get mastitis. Well, women are different. Some women need that. And some women need probably just a little more or some a little less. Yeah. So I, (laughs) I was exclusively pumping. And
1: shout out to my friends who came and helped me in the middle of the night with pumping because... You know, I was still recovering from my C-section and needed help. I worked with many, many, many lactation consultants at the hospital, in the NICU, in the outpatient clinic. I hired a private lactation consultant to come to my home. I went to breastfeeding support group. When she was about two months old, I think we were able to reestablish breastfeeding. It was a lot of work, but I was determined because I was like, well, honestly, I was motivated because I was like, if I can breastfeed this baby, then I don't have to get up and do more work with bottles. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have to think about
0: bottles when we're out and I don't have to clean. Oh, my God. Other women are like, oh, I want to feel the connection, body, soul and spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all (laughs) come on. Like if you can
1: breastfeed your, like your baby, then it's like, if they're
0: tired, put them on the
1: boob. If they're
0: crazy. No, I mean, I get it, but it's so Chinese of you because I'm sure my dad would say this. He'd be like, well, isn't it cheaper (laughs) if you can just breastfeed (laughs) them? I'm sure my dad would wanted to have said that. Maybe he did or didn't. I don't know. I was too little. I mean, that is, (laughs) you know. <laughs> I mean, it is, but that's not the reason to do it or not. I I would hope <laughs> JLo, tell us the ending of this, the, the, the happy ending though. So how long was she in the NICU and what did the Mar- Myconium just go away? Like what happened?
1: ECMO did its job and, you know, helped her to stabilize. And she was in the NICU for five and a half weeks Wow, that's kind of a long time. It is. But you know, a lot of day was the pain management because she was on such powerful painkillers and narcotics that they didn't want to just take her all of a sudden off of all these pain meds. Ah, right. And then go back to the hospital.
0: Yeah. And that just must have broken your heart that your baby is just so like hooked up and, and like on so much crap. Yeah, I was grateful for
1: all the medicine that saved her and hopefully provided, you know, the pain management is really important because she had been through so much. Um, but it was that and it was also like because she had been intubated, they wanted to make sure that her breathing was strong enough to be able to breathe on her own.
0: Okay, so the part of your story that always really got me, women who end up with their kid in the neck you, sometimes they already know through screenings that there's going to be something that they need to deal with later. You know, the baby's a preemie. You know that they're going to be in the you. You guys were like me going into the hospital. You're like, okay, my baby's due at 40 weeks. Let's take her home in three days. Right. That is crazy to me, that switch. When we talked to our OB,
1: Like meconium aspiration is just, I mean, I don't even know the numbers, but it's just very rare. And there is a spectrum of how severe it can be, right? Like one baby might swallow their poop, but not that much and are able to be like, their airway is able to be cleared. Then there's my child who had to go on lung bypass. So she was in the NICU for five and a half weeks Definitely spent a lot of time in the hospital, spent a lot of time pumping. I would just encourage any moms out there who are in the NICU to, if you can't advocate for yourself, like if that's not something that you feel comfortable with, then make sure you ask for help from a family member or a friend that you trust to be that voice because, you know, like you're just, you have to. and there are things that you can say like no i don't i don't want that or i don't like that or what are you doing or why are you doing that even though it was a terrible traumatic start if we had had a smooth labor and delivery i don't know if we would have If the doctors would have been watching her so closely because we then later found out that she has a genetic, a very rare genetic disease, which impact her liver and her heart function. I mean, thank God she is very stable. Yeah, I I think if she had not had such a traumatic birth, then I don't think the doctors would have taken her slow weight gain so seriously. Ah, okay. Well, and then also because I was not happy with the you know, with the hospital and the insurance system that I was in, I switched to something else, which gave me more options for my child and for myself. That is something that I look back and I'm like, that is a silver lining of all the terrible things that happened. She's a very active, healthy,
0: opinionated toddler. (laughs) (laughs) So she does, she does have a genetic condition where she's not So she's just at a lower percentile, basically.
1: Yeah. So her weight gain is quite slow, but she is gaining weight. It's just she's on her own curve. We're, We're very grateful that she's stable, that she is as stable as she is. Yeah. She was followed by regional center because she'd had a traumatic birth. The neurologist, when she was a week and a half old, two weeks, he said, you know, I see some Possible damage in the gray matter of her brain, and there could be developmental delays. That's something that you have to watch for. Wow. Thank God that
0: she has met all of her milestones and exceeded some. And JLo, can I ask you? So they knew to look at the brain because her weight was not being put on. That's how they. This was when she was in the NICU. Okay. Oh, I see. Because she had not been able to breathe for so long.
1: See, you know, anytime that you have constriction of oxygen or lack of oxygen, it can really damage your brain, right? The neurologist was saying that he thought he saw some evidence of damage in the gray matter. And so he was like, I don't know. We don't know if there will be any delays until she gets to whatever developmental stage she's at. And if she is or is not meeting those milestones. So that's why we had regional center services. And I mean, she's doing really well and she's graduating from regional center. I'm also very grateful for regional center and all their help. You know, we don't know what, what her future will look like in terms of like heart and liver stuff, but in the meantime, she is thriving and doing really well. And, you know, really grateful that you know, even though she was in the hospital, we were still able to breastfeed. And again, for that lazy side of me that doesn't want to deal with mom. Uh,
0: Can I ask you, when you say that regional, um, was that occupational therapy? Because she was doing so well. Uh, we just had assessments every
1: six months. Ah, okay. So the physical therapist would track her progress. And which was like, it was nice to have that feedback to be like okay this is where she's at these are some ways that you can help support her development
0: yeah and our physical therapist was great that's great that's great yeah okay and i know you have to go pick up said daughter now <laughs> your story is uh it's it's tough but it's also it's also like a rainbow like it's it's got a good ending i really appreciate you coming on the pod and being the most version of yourself <laughs> which i love <laughs> You're such a bright spot. It's amazing. Thanks for
1: having me. It was a lot of fun to talk about. And I really appreciate your podcast and I enjoy listening to it. And I hope that this is helpful Yay. for other moms.
0: Thanks so much to Jennifer Lupo for being with us today and sharing her awesome story and her energy. Just a reminder, in my show notes, there's a link to register for the Wrap Your Head Around Silks free mini course. Super easy to register. You will create a login for the student portal. Check it out. Thank you so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And please... If you would honor me with a five-star rating and review, anywhere you get your podcast, it really helps the community find me more easily. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Expecting Aerialist podcast. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. Hi. She just kissed me. That's a very sweet bean. Do you want to say hello? Yeah, guys. um, Say hello. can you say podcast? Podcast. Listeners. Yes, Listen. Very nice. Very nice.